too awkward because you're just sitting there silent in the judge. <laughs> How dare you look directly at me? Don't do that, it's not ASMR. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Female Hysteria Podcast. Mm-hmm. With me, I'm Amelia. And I'm Holly. And this is our first episode recorded yep. last night. Last night. Um, we're recording the intro and retrospect when we're sober and ish. Oh, it's a mess. <laughs> oh, it's chaotic. It's a disaster. There was naturals, there was multiple bottles of wine. There was, I don't know what was going on. Yeah, that was the wine. That was <laughs> the giggling. Yeah. Funnily enough, talking about wine, um, our first episode is about Good Omens mm-hmm. by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, recently adapted to a TV show mm-hmm. by Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Unfortunately, not Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is it. It's a mess. None of us know how to pronounce anything. So, we hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah. This mess that we've great for ourselves. Apologies if your name is Anathema. Yes. That's all I can say. <laughs> Truly. We got to go see Good Omens. Yeah. At the Edinburgh Film Festival. Which is now finished. Yeah, so don't be looking up tickets for it because it's done. <laughs> um, we saw all six episodes. and For they... the first time. Like, the first ever time that people have seen it. Yeah. All in one go. And it was played to the public. Yeah. And it was as free. Like, as a, yeah. a six hour long film. Because oh, my be legs. Honest, that's what it is. My legs were numb by the end of I it. I don't think I have a spine anymore. <laughs> I know. Um... Who was there? The composer was there, David Arnold. Yeah, Amazing. and the director. Douglas McKinnon. Douglas McKinnon. He was great. You had yeah. a Q&A in the end that we'll get to, but... <laughs> in honour of us going to sit for six hours, <laughs> it was a lot, of watching Good Omens at a cinema, we thought we'd chat about it for a yeah. bit. Yeah. So... And record it. So yeah, so you're, all your people ever. can enjoy. It's on the internet forever. It can't be taken back. Oh, Wow. <laughs> A start, in case anyone's watching and doesn't know low listening. Listening, sorry, it's 2am, we've had a couple wines. A couple of bottles? We're emulating Crowley and Aziraphale in the bookshop scene, you know? Yeah, okay. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) Why don't we tell the people who may not know what Good Omens is, Amelia? It's an eventful time. Oh, it's a... Which is the end times. It's the end times, yeah. It's yeah. about the apocalypse. Um, an angel and a demon coming together it's to thwart the apocalypse. The idiot plot. Oh my goodness, yes. like, done good. Yeah. I think someone on Tumblr... Oh, said. Tumblr definitely said that. Um, Everyone in the show is, like, really stupid. <laughs> they had common sense. We love sin. them all equally. No, oh my goodness, I love them all equally. Yeah. Except the select few characters, which we'll get to. <laughs> um, oh, how, how did you first get into it? It was definitely a Tumblr post. Or oh maybe goodness, a Pinterest yes. post. Back in the two, day. Two websites you do not put together. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, do you? Um, um, it was, I think it was something on Pinterest mm-hmm. that I clicked on mm-hmm. and it was like Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And then I ordered a copy of it, but then didn't read it. Mm-hmm. And then moved to uni, didn't take the copy with me. Yeah. And then went and bought another copy to read. <laughs> Yeah, she has now has three because she acquired another one. I couldn't not buy the cover that had David Tennant on it. Oh my goodness. As someone who's Scottish. Oh yes, we're both Scottish. I so see David Tennant, I go crazy. We go feral. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit different to you because yeah. you got me into it. You got into it before the TV show my influence. ever was conceived. Conceived. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I well, I no, the show was it, like, already, it was before the show came out, but like the show yeah. was already a thing. Yeah. I got into it a couple it of weeks conceived. before the show came out because of you. Thank mm-hmm. you for ruining my life with this. <laughs> You're welcome. I almost feel like you forced me into buying it, and honestly, I'm so grateful for it. <laughs> this is all sounding very mean on my behalf. I'm sorry. I'm just saying the truth here. I'm just don't shoot the You're really messenger. shoving me into a box here. <laughs> you made me box like is things. Mean. <laughs> you did that with Umbrella Academy. You made me like that. Yeah, I did. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, it's funny though that those like two things apocalypse are to do with the apocalypse. Yeah, and even then, like Pacific Rim. 
everyone's like the world's ending at any moment let's just have fun those are topics for another podcast (laughs) let's get back to good omens yeah so like we said it's fresh for us we just watched six hours of it i've seen it four times (laughs) she has we both watched the day got released on amazon prime yeah also can we just talk for a moment good omens made people so angry they petitioned to netflix to to cancel it Twenty thousand christians and Netflix. Netflix isn't even the one of the strips. It's just, it's next level. It's very in keeping with good omens. Oh yes, oh yes, I do think so. How do you think the book compares to the show? How faithful is it? What oh, very. I started rereading it because I was going to write like an essay about it or yeah. something. And I hadn't realised, obviously it's been a while since I read oh. it, but I hadn't realised just how faithful it was. I know stop and reading it. Yeah. Like there so, were a couple parts obviously that were changed because that's yeah. how it works. Yeah. But I I'm quite blown away, to be honest, by how faithful it is in comparison to a lot of other adaptations. So I kind of read it congruently with the the show yeah. and some of the dialogue is word for word. Mm-hmm. And it's the best dialogue. Not just like some of it, but like most of it. We didn't say but this book's written by Neil Gaiman and yeah. Terry Pratchett. If you didn't know that, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> Neil Gaiman's great. This is the first book I've read by either of them in a collaboration. I need to read more. I'm really... I'm, well, they can't do more, Holly. Well, no. No, I read more of their previous yeah. books. You know, um, I do about ten books at a time, so I barely ever finish a book. <laughs> I get really distracted. Yeah, you're currently on... Yeah. Wait a minute, let I, me just grab it. I know how this happens because of the TV show. Yeah, you're currently only only 170. This is because I keep picking, I keep finding books I like to look up, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna read that. And the the pile of books beside my bed is growing ever taller. Going, what are you doing, you crazy woman? Um. Anyway, back to the faithfulness. Of- it's insane how closely it follows it. I did think that too. I mean, they're obvious. The biggest I think difference, obviously, is episode three. Oh my god, I love that. Is that yeah. the scene with the like the Bastille and Rome? Yeah, yeah, obviously. I think that's like um, the longest, as as the the people in the profession call it, the longest like cold open sort of mm. thing. That's part titles, of my favorite, which is crazy. I have my favorite part of the whole show actually. That cold open. I think like it is like. Very rarely do you watch something and think, oh my god, I wish that was in the book. But that's definitely one of those situations. And I I think it's because Neil Gaiman wrote it. Yeah, I mean, you don't get more faithful than the actual actual author author. writing the screenplay. I mean, we might get to some further podcast episodes about our opinions on book and film slash TV adaptations. But we have too many thoughts. I can see you bubbling over with them right now. So, <laughs> back to good omens. Um, what was your, I don't know, what's your favourite part of it? I've said what mine is. What was yours? Cold open. Right, yeah. I think mine definitely is the bookshop. The bookshop? Yeah. Also, all the Queen songs. Oh my God. Obviously. Somebody to love. The During transition scene? from, like, you're my best friend to somebody to love over wow. that one scene wow. killed me. I felt my soul leaving my body. I felt my non-existent soul leave my body. <laughs> um, it's incredible. It really is. Okay, so watching it today, what did you feel about the representation in the show? I mean, like, you're not finished the book yet. I'm not. I mean, like, in comparison to that. What I've read so far? Yeah. I mean, you're only, like, 200 and something pages in. The things that stand out to me for representation. God is a woman. Yeah. Um, in the show. In the show. Yeah. Adam and Eve are black in the show. Yeah, yeah. But those feel like show decisions. Those are. I mean, like... It's hard with books, you know. Even on... Throwing it real back. A real back. Even on a religious scale. Mm. Like... There's no way of knowing. Literally. Don't get me wrong. I'm not someone who's ever read the Bible or been even mildly religious. But there's not really like any distinctive mm-hmm. things about any religious figures yeah. that suggest they're anything other like that that suggest they are white. 
Well, as someone who went to Sunday school, well, for, um, and read parts of the Bible, you're right, there isn't anything to, to defy. It's like with books, when you read a book, you're never really sure. Yeah. You can kind of attach whatever ethnicity you want to them, unless I mean, like, seriously. it's definitely like that with the Bible. I mean, like, that's, like, thrown it way further back. Than We're like going to get into a discussion. <laughs> but no, like... It just, it genuinely is one of those things, and it's like, it annoys me why people are getting so angry over the fact that, like, God was a woman, and Adam and Eve were black. And, mm-hmm. like, it's like, where in the Bible does it say that that's They say humanity, um, originated in yeah. Africa. Not, like, not to mention as well, like, it's a whole thing with Jesus. I don't know if it was, like, in the show or not, or, like, I don't know, I wasn't really paying that much attention at that point. But, like, Jesus would not have been white, so why would anyone else have been white? Yeah. Saying that, our main characters are white. (laughs) As the characters, obviously. The actors fit very well. Yeah. But there's always this sort of, like... It could have been anyone other than two white men. It begs the question of representation. Yeah. In Hollywood and, and I TV. Mean, and that's another podcast on its own. Yeah. There is, like, representation on it, obviously. Yes. There is anathema, pepper, pollution. I to an extent. I think, like, even in terms of, like, a lot of the angels and demons, like, Michael and, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. There's, like, mm-hmm. um... That was interesting. Yeah. Archangel Michael being a woman. But it's sort of like the in between didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like the people who are villains were the representation. Yeah. Essentially, if not, those who were the representation were either killed off. Well, when you look at the or, like, four horsemen of the apocalypse, you have a woman, a woman, an Asian woman, and a black man, and then whatever the hell death was. Well, I mean, in the show, I mean, I don't know what the actress or the actor, like, I don't know what pronouns they go by, but, like, yeah. you know, in the show, like, pollution is agender. I hope that's the right phrase. I'm very drunk. But it's <laughs> Again, just, wine. <laughs> it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, there's representation, but is it in the right place? Like, maybe, yeah. like, by heart, it is. Heart's it's meant in the right to place. Be, like, kind but at the end of the day like when you get deeper down under the surface of Mm -hmm. like just saying that there's representation it's like is there though that's the larger um question in hollywood and tv i mean like there's more in it than than i mean it does kind of tv show it's always really annoying because at first it was one of those ones where I was like, oh my god, that's so awesome. It's like, mm. they have a lot of characters who are like angels and demons who don't really go by stereotypes, yeah. especially gendered ones. Yeah, exactly. But then like, on a deeper level, it's like, but they're still like the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I get what you mean. Although one good thing I will say is especially in regards to the demons, is, like, those who were female presenting, like, letting them just be, like, disgusting and ugly because, like, mood. Be in the morning. (laughs) Me tomorrow morning when I wake up hungover, honestly. Um, Speaking of women... Bechdel test. The Bechdel test. That's the way to go into it. Interesting one. There is... You know, so what... The Bechdel test is two two female characters talking to each other for an extended period, about something other than men. Mm-hmm. There is that. Although, like, I don't know about you, but I can't really think of an example other than Pepper talking to War. Uh, she killed her. <laughs> um, but even then, like, I sort of, it's one of those things where I'm like, should it count if it's a child? You have a chattering nuns as well, but we disregard. Yeah, but- we disregard. But why? They were literally minor characters. For me, yeah. the Becca Del Tess has to pass if it's two kind of major characters, or yeah. at least one major character in that equation. Sort of like, it's annoying in that sense, because like, obviously Good Omens has a few female characters. Yeah. Even ones yeah. who, in the book, weren't female characters. Oh, ones. Michael. Yeah. Archangel Michael. Um, But like... 
it's just one of those things, it's a very like tricky situation where it's mm-hmm. like it leans more to the fact of like it's representation but is it good? True. It feels very like two steps forward, one step back. What do you mean by that? Expand. Like it's a show on such a scale that it's like obviously funded by the BBC and Amazon. Together. Two of the biggest, like, you know, Com- broadcasting services. Yeah. And the then streaming service and just kind of like everything service in yeah. to Amazon, yeah. to be honest. But like could it could have more? done more. Yeah. Is I think what my yeah. drunk brain is trying to, you know, We're get sorry. To. <laughs> um so talk about we've talked a little bit about representation of race and gender. What about sexuality? In good omens. This is opening a can of worms. Is yeah, your felon Crowley? Is it a love story? Is it a bromance? Is it queer bait? I mean it's always one of those things where I think like this is where death of the author comes in. Yes. Um, Do you explain although, a little bit about Although, I'm going to be honest, it's very funny on Tumblr and different things, seeing Neil Gaiman say something, and then literally everyone be like, you have no power here. Why don't you explain Denied. a little bit about Death of an Author is? Sort of the idea that... Michelle... Michel Foucault? I'm sorry if I'm butchering that. That was who wrote it, wasn't it? I think so. Um, Foucault. Sort of the idea of, like... What the author says doesn't mean shit when yeah. it's what someone says yeah. in regards to it. So like the author our individual and the work. interpretations yeah. account for more than the author's mm. original. The author and the work are separate in that regard. Yeah. And in a way, like when you put something out to the public, it takes on a life of its own. And in this case, a lot of people out here, including us, are very much on the side of a Crowley and Aziraphale love story partnership, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, even today, with the mm-hmm. Q&A, mm-hmm. after the screening, um, I think it was David Arnold, yeah. who had said, he had kind of mentioned the fact that he'd been asked a couple of times about what it was like how he handled this, like, love-hate relationship. Mm-hmm. And he himself had said it wasn't love-hate, it's love-love. And one of the president, one of the assistant presidents of the film festival literally called it a love story. Yeah. I think, well, most people have. I don't know if you, you're, like, I don't know if you follow Neil Gaiman on Tumblr or whatever, but he himself, multiple times, had been kind of like, this opens a whole can of worms wow, on yeah. its own. But he himself had been like, oh, I wrote the TV show as a love story. It's like... <sighs> well, that you? that begs a bigger question when it comes to queer bait. I know in a lot of TV shows today, you, you know more about this than I do, so I'm going to hand it off to you. Many characters, male, male, female, female, whatever it is, are put together kind of but never really come together in that relationship way and is it is it queer but you give some examples I'm, I'm not entirely sure I this always really annoys me just like the phrase queer bait on its own irritates me mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of people don't know what it is yeah. and I feel like you can vouch for this I'm well. kind of in that camp where I'm just learning about it from you like you used to watch Supernatural. I did. Unfortunately. Dean and Castile. I'm gonna mention Supernatural. <laughs> but I think, like, queerbait a lot of the time is the creator being like, oh, maybe they will be in a relationship. Or is it maybe a product not? of the fandom and not the writer? In what way? Of the fandom. Of the people who watch it putting these two people together when that's not the person intended. But then that's just fandom. Yeah. Queer bait doesn't really extend to that. No. The queer, queer bait is coming from the writer. And queer the bait is when the creator themselves yeah. pander towards a different audience. What's coming to my mind with that is... Like being like, oh my god, maybe Okay, I'm going to drop some spoilers right now for the hundred. Um, what's her face? <laughs> what's her face? Lexa and Clark. Yeah. Where, I mean, there wasn't really a queer bait in the way that they were together, but then we killed her off. So you got your hopeful in that relationship. Then but that's just off. the barrier gate trope. Yeah. 
you talk a lot about that. It's an interesting question, the queer the queer bait. I mean, I'm not a fan of that phrase myself. I'm a fan of the phrase. I feel like a lot of people don't know what it means, mm, though. It's interpreted. And I don't think it applies to good omens do you in not? a lot of ways. Do you not? What ways do you think it doesn't apply? I, How do you see the relationship? This is a very interesting one. How do you see the relationship between Crowley and Aziraphale? Good, it's like... It's one of those ones that's difficult in the sense that up until recently, yeah. Neil Gaiman has constantly been like, oh my god, it's, you know, up to you or whatever, I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, Michael Sheen, his acting... Oh, he's the captain of this If I hadn't read... Right, okay, I read the book, and I will, I'll be honest, I didn't really see the romance in it, but I haven't finished it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I got, like, one episode in, and the way Michael Sheen was acting, he said himself he was kind of playing it as a love story. Yeah, you know? multiple times. Like, the, the heart eyes he's giving Crowley, that's a love story. I don't understand how David Tennant manages to give heart eyes while wearing sunglasses. <laughs> I know. It's insane. Oh, that's just David Tennant. Yeah. I mean, we're a bit biased because we're Scottish, but we love, we love David Tennant. Also, I'm like a lifelong Doctor Who fan, so. Yeah, I've, I've watched um, David and Tennant. And Shakespeare fan. <laughs> just yeah. All of the We're both things. English lit students, so we're all very into that stuff, and he is... Hamlet? He was Hamlet, wasn't he? He was everything. He was everything. He, well, he, he is, is everything. everything. <laughs> um, we're talking about queerbait. We're talking about queerbait. Sorry, back to the topic. I like... It's one of those things that, like, doesn't really apply because the show, in a lot of aspects, it wasn't advertised as a love story. No. Between the two. The way they advertised it... It wasn't advertised as, like, oh my god, maybe they'll fall in love, maybe they won't. It was, like, advertised straight up. It was, like, oh, my God, these two best friends till the end of the world. It, like... I'm sorry, you play somebody to love while Crowley thinks his UFL is dead? Sorry, spoilers. I'm I'm shipping it. I'm shipping it. What do you think of the fandom for Good Omens? It, obviously, it's an old fandom. Oh, it's fandom. crazy. I mean, it's it was old. a book I in mean, the 90s. Over... I feel like there's been a resurgence, obviously. Oh, Definitely. There. TV show, especially online on Tumblr, there's been a massive. The people I follow are now doing about good omens, and I never thought they would. Mm-hmm. It's massive. It's just, it's crazy, I think, as well, like in regards to Tumblr and stuff. There were so many people I followed who all of a sudden had like changed their profile yeah. picture, changed their like name or whatever, uh-huh. just something to do with good omens, and it's like, oh my gosh. It, this might come across wrong, but it does feel like something made for Tumblr. Like, Tumblr latching right onto it. I think it always has been. Yeah. Maybe because that fandom already exists. Kate, okay, let's be honest, though. It's the, like, um, forbidden romance, like, a demon oh my angel goodness. trope. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've read too many fanfics it. for various characters that are the demon angel forbidden romance. We love it. I was thinking about that today, actually, when we were watching it, the forbidden romance part. Um, I love it. I was just trying to piece together in my head and be like, how can I compare this to Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> Everything comes into Romeo and Juliet. That's a podcast below our time. I was about to launch into a conversation yeah. about that, but we'll I, get like, there one week. You know, ones is always an interesting moment when it comes oh. to fandoms, I think, compared to some TV shows, mm-hmm. because there's such a big fandom to it. And there already was. Yeah. It's like walking... Like... Book to like film slash TV adaptations, or they're kind of always coming in with a yeah. fandom and expectations. How do you think people are satisfied with it? To be honest, yeah, yeah, I, I know, think like, so too. I, I, you're a big fan of it. You were a big fan before the TV show, mm-hmm. and you're very much. I'm coming into it because the TV show was coming out. Yeah, I'm one of those people. <laughs> um, and I love. Well, it. I mean, I said to you about it before the show came out. I, I did get it out of the library, ago. but then it got requested, I yeah. had to put it back. Then I got my own copy. So It's sort of like, it's one of those novels that I think it's been popular for so long, it's like yeah. never gonna not be popular. Yeah, I mean, Neil Gaiman is, and Terry Pratchett is. Yeah. Together, and it's a dream it's team. Two of like the biggest names in fiction attached to it. Yeah, of course it's gonna happen. I, I didn't. I didn't realize it was made in the nineteen nineties until a couple of weeks ago. Well, I mean, there are a couple of parts in the book where it's like, yeah. did I get to them yet? <laughs> we'll see. 
what did you I like I'm interested like what did you think of this is so off topic from our little list okay but um, <laughs> it kind of goes under like representation we have an outline in front of but, us so we don't go too <laughs> off course our drunk minds what did you think of like everything out with Aziraphale and Crowley that's interesting that's very interesting I do As someone like feel like who's new here like going into the fandom and like everything on Tumblr and mm. whether it be like Twitter and even Instagram mm-hmm. I love Anathema Anathema Agnes Nutter's descendant <laughs> I love her Anathema 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 Whatever way you say it, we accept all presentations. I loved her storyline. <laughs> no, I like... I don't know if I like hers that much. I, I always feel a bit with, like... I love Dog. Let's yeah. put that out there right now. <laughs> my my favourite scenes are when Dog changes from a hellhound to this tiny little dog that's, like, does stretches and stuff. That's the best. I always feel like... <laughs> heavy sigh she's starting like, a point <laughs> <laughs> the bits with um new and anathema anathema new and anathema those parts you were yeah. saying and like to be very honest i've reread the novel yeah many times oh yes we know and a lot of the time i do kind of skim read you said that yeah yeah i mean i didn't the first time obviously I do that with some of my favourite books. I skip the first hundred pages because like, it's not yeah. what I want. And it's sort of like, it's so awkward. Mm. I don't think I like the actor's chemistry. Lack thereof chemistry. Oh, it's Jack Whitehall, so let's be You honest. have strong opinions. Um, what do you think of Adam? I mean, I love the kids. I do, but like... The them. It sounds so mean to be like... Their, their conversations are clunky. You know that way Stranger Things is the, the kids sound like kids? This yeah. very much sounds like the kids aren't kids. Like, no, it's not even like all of their conversations though because mm-hmm. some of them like are genuinely like kids. Mm-hmm. And like as someone, like you have a younger sibling as I well. I do. Like, my I have, like, baby, like, I've, like, my, I've been an au pair and yeah. they've like, very My brother is even younger and I know for yeah. a fact that like young kids do talk like that sometimes yeah. in regards to certain things. Mm-hmm. But I just like... More often than not they do. I feel like... Well, it depends. But I feel like Pepper's dialogue in particular, if certain parts of it were really, really clunky. I love the actress at plays her. I love her so much. And because, I love like, the character. She was the perfect Pepper. Yeah. And there were bits of dialogue like that Like an assertiveness. Some like, of it felt clunky. that I believe in peace, bitch. I was like, yeah, that mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple little bits where I was like, no mm. 11-year-old kid would say that. Yeah. You have to remember these are children. And that, that has been a problem for a while. And people in TV shows, films, books, who write kids, is they sound older than they are. They don't sound like kids. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, maybe because the people who are writing it are so much older. They don't sound like a kid would sound. That was one of my problems. A couple pieces of dialogue between the kids. I was like, no yeah. one, no one speaks like that. Even at Armageddon, <laughs> no one speaks like that. Well, what did you? This is here with my mind, but Shadwell. I. And. <laughs> I do you call her Jezebel? What's her real name? Tracy. Tracy. I think. I think. I, I, think, I think it was Madame Tracy. I always. It's funny because I think like. Is that in the book? Yes. Um, I think in the book, his dialogue, I'm pretty sure, in the book, is the only one written with an accent. Mm, like, a that. strong accent. I noticed that, yeah. Which my dyslexic ass hated. <laughs> um, See, I'm the opposite. I love like, that shit. I can't remember where he's meant to be from in the book, but I did always read it as, like, a strong... Sounds like Yorkshire. Wrong. Yeah. Um... But I don't know, I just like, it's one of those things, I like the idea of it, but I just like, why did they all have to be paired off at the end? Mm. I love yeah. Madame Tracy, she's so funny. Yeah. When he calls her Jezebel, she's like, oh, Mr. Shadwell. 
how could you? But at the same time, though, I think that, like, brings in question of, like, did they actually have, like, the characters, not the actors, mm. obviously, but did the characters actually have any thing between them? I mean, like... Yeah. It's obviously yeah. difficult in regards to mm-hmm. the sense that, like, Crowley and the Xerophil have, like, 6,000 years. Oh, they have the chemistry. One, I mean, it's, like, nearly, like, a blink. Newton and anathema fell flat they did they did feel 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 flat for me fell flat for me i just like it always kind of struck me reading the book as well like newt always felt like a very flat character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it never really felt like there was a lot to him and i think the show does flesh him out a bit more he does and it's jack white oh, of course we're gonna your face, your face is like stone cold. No, I think it does flesh him out a bit more, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, there could have been more fleshing out of characters. I will say yeah. that. I think I think like a lot of the time it is ref- like it's reflected in fandom, etc. Mm-hmm. Whenever you go on the tag on Tumblr, mm-hmm. all you find is stuff to do with Azeraphil and Crowley. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But I think, like, they are the focus, even though they're not the central character. In the book, at least. I feel like in the TV show, they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. the big names, Michael Sheen and David Tennant. There was a scene that confuses me to this day. The baby switch scene. <laughs> oh, God. I, I've seen it twice now, and I have to really pay attention to it. I did get confused at a lot of parts. I was like, like again, the idiot plot. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Any of these characters have even had one brain cell. Yeah, none of this. Would I was like, why? That baby isn't look the same. That baby isn't anything close. I'm so confused. Although, in all fairness, like I can see how it would be very easy to switch newborn babies. True, true. I don't know. It confused me a little bit. But maybe that was just me. How, did, how did it confuse you? Um, I don't know, but every time I've watched it, I've been like, okay, I need to focus on this scene. Yeah. Watch the baby. So I like to see it logically play out, so mm-hmm. like watching the baby. It did make more sense this time, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I think, like, it's more confusing in the book. Oh, I didn't get it in the book. <laughs> I was but like, what, they switched it? That... I think it's more so because it is a three-way switch. Yeah. But that's more so like having to like fill in the blanks kind of yourself. Yeah. I feel like um, there are some TV shows like that where you do... If I can Game of Thrones season eight. You do have the fill in the blanks. And Every time you mention Game of Thrones, I'm going to throw a paint. Well, we're going to do a podcast on that. So stay tuned for that. So sorry, we're getting off topic now. Back to good omens. <laughs> hell and heaven. Heaven and hell. I always love the... I can't just think they remember if it's a thing in the novel or not. But I always love the idea of like everything being a building. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I just what? noticed this today um, in heaven, the heaven... Um, Gabriel looking out and say, yeah, it says all the major landmarks. Yeah. At first I thought it was London, and I was like, no. that's the pyramids. Yeah. That's not in London. I think, like, that's really interesting, mm-hmm. presenting everything in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder why I did that. I mean, there re- must be a reason to it. Yeah. Um, we should have asked that at the Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a chance to listen to a Q&A today. By the director, Douglas It was McKinnon. short, but like... It was short, and the composer, sweet, com- composer David sweet. Arnold. Um, they answered a few questions. What was your... I don't want my takeaway was from it. What was yours? I love the fact that originally, um, Every Day by Buddy Holly... That was my takeaway from it. That's um, insane. Yeah, this Buddy Holly song is going to be the theme tune. How involved Neil Gaiman was with, was with it? Well, I mean, he wrote the script and he was a showrunner. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, when I've seen... 
offers before with their TV, have TV shows, they haven't been that involved with it. Yeah. So it's interesting. I news. think it's like obviously really easy to just set and either sell the rights. Yeah. Or sell the rights and write the script. Mm-hmm. I think like those are the two that are most common. Yeah. But very rarely do you get an author who will then be the showrunner as well. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Good Omens quite special. And it what is makes a special it so show. Yeah. Is that it was Neil Gaiman has such a large part in it. And continues, he's always on Tumblr asking questions and mm-hmm. um, responding to questions and on Twitter. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. <laughs> when he shatters your head cannons. <laughs> but that again, like, goes back to like Death of the Author when sometimes he'll say something and everyone's like, yeah, no. <laughs> but we have that with works like Gatsby and stuff. You know, the work is bigger than the man, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, good luck asking the author questions about that. I know, one. I know. I mean, he's literally dead. Break out the Ouija board. <laughs> we will. Again. <laughs> Again. We'll tell that story in another time. Um, when the work becomes so separate from the writer. Yeah. I, like, it genuinely feels like because Good Omens was co written. Mm-hmm. It feels like it is a thing of its own. Yeah. Bringing that back into... So we're both English students and... We're not English students. Well, English, English, English lit students. Um, I know when I do essays on text, sometimes I'll be like, okay, the, the author feels very involved in this, but then sometimes the author feels very separate. Like, the yellow wallpaper. Mm-hmm. The author feels very involved in that because of the times... But then you have things like, I mean, Frankenstein's the one that's coming to my head right now, but it feels very disconnected from it. Yeah. Whereas, like, Frankenstein's taken a life of its own, whereas Mary Shelley has Mm -hmm. been left behind. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously now, I think it's quite impossible for that to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of offers well modern offers are very involved yeah. in their stories like J.K. Rowling and stuff. Unfortunately. I mean, obviously the ones that are no longer with us no, can't be involved like, in their stories, yeah. but in regards to like obviously good omens and new gaming, there is like that level of involvement, but I think I think it's very easy just to have in the internet and just to be like, yeah, nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially this age of the internet where everyone's got an opinion on it, everyone's shipping someone with someone. I think, like, author involvement used to mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. just, like, to the point of publishing and maybe promotion. Yeah. And that would be it. And now... Whereas now you've got Twitter, you've got Tumblr, you've got social Instagram. All the social media. Whatever. They're constantly... And J.K. Like, Rowling's a good example of that. this thread. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling is the worst email. How long ago did that series finish? Was it ten years ago? More than that? Oh, and Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Who knows? Books. But she's still very much involved and very much putting out more tweets about it, more theories about it. Which I think, like, sounds bad to turn around and be like, that's social media used in the worst way as an author, but it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, but is it because what she's saying doesn't match up to your... What any author's saying doesn't match up to what you already believe about it? I don't believe anything about Harry Potter. Oh, interesting. That's a hot take. <laughs> That's a hot take <laughs> called... I read, like, half of the books and got bored. Oh, burn. Yeah, she dislikes for that. <laughs> but, like, back to good omens. Back to good omens, back to safe ground. It, yeah, definitely. I think, like, the internet is one of those things wherever... Whenever, like, Neil Gaiman answers anything on Tumblr or that, Mm -hmm. you can choose whether or not you want to believe it. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe what he says is canon or whatever, but you can just pretend not to see it. What fanfics for? (laughs) We have experience in fanfic. Well, you don't. Yeah, I'm getting there. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, like, it's one of those things where I think... Authors, especially on social media, mm-hmm. is both like 
a blessing and a curse. Yeah, yeah. In the sense of like, maybe they can sometimes clarify things, but then other times it's like, yeah, no, I didn't want to know that. No, you're or it ends up being like a complete buzzkill in the term yeah. of like, Take it yeah, it's like destroying headcanons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, maybe that would have been better if they didn't have that level of involvement after publication. Mm-hmm. Do you think Neil Gaiman should have had less involvement in that sense? Or in this case, the offer very much being involved is a good thing. I think it's one of the ones that's like very iffy mm-hmm. in the sense that like sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And yeah. that's really the only way you can put it. I agree. I mean, I like, agree. to this day, I don't think there's been anything that Neil Gaiman has said where I've been like, no. Neil Gaiman is Neil Gaiman. I know been like a few people who mm-hmm. have. Yeah, if it doesn't match what they believe. Yeah. And that's also um, an issue. Who's the work written for? I mean, it's written by the author, but who's it for? Is it becomes, does it become public property as soon as it's published? Or is it always the author has the final sale canon? Yeah. And that's a debate for another time. One thing I'm really honest, this is like an hour after we started recording. An hour and a half. An hour and a half. We had nachos. I want too much wine. Too much wine. Same again tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. One thing I did love, well, I noticed at least, was the representation of heaven and hell. It's these two separate entities that were also kind of working together. I like. They weren't working together, but, like, they both wanted to win. Cahoots. Yeah. There was moments when they Cahoots. were cahoots. Yeah. And the whole ineffable plan. Yeah. It can't be known and they somehow think they know it, which is the end of Earth. They I were think, like... Kind of portrayed as villains, haven't they? Yeah, I, that's, I think, like, where it comes together. Uh-huh. It's obviously they weren't, like, in cahoots or what have you. But they were both villains the, at the end of the day. Both on that side, yeah. you know, it's which goes against humans, like, everything. Humans, Azarafel, Crowley, against heaven and hell, and it does go against everything well, we've been taught to. Yeah, you know, I mean, in, in our traditional education, heaven and hell are not on the same side. And no. even though they're not, it might not be in cahoots most of the time, they're I on mean, the like, same side in this particular instance. I think they weren't exactly on the same side, but they had the same motive. They had the same end goal. Yeah. Destruction of humanity and Earth, apparently. Winning a war. Winning a war, they wanted to beat each other. Yeah. There's that scene where it's... It's the one on the airfield. Yeah, yeah. In, um, Gabriel and Weaselbub. Beelzebub. Beelzebub are kind of like whispering to each other, like, what do we do now? What do we yeah, do now? Yeah, yeah. And then also with the scene where Crowley and his ear fell switch bodies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're... In, Which uh, isn't in the book. Is it not in the book? No. Oh, that's an incredible scene. But they're also kind of, they have, like, the Archangel Michael come down to yeah. hell, and then that other guy goes up to heaven. And it kind of does pit... Heaven and hell on the same site. It does. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like... And I always say they're working in cahoots in those moments. Yeah. I mean, like... I don't think they're working in cahoots, but they're on the same site, but they haven't realised it yet. Mm. Like, they have the same end goal. Mm-hmm. They, but then their whole thing is the war to win. But then they're also working together to bring about that war. Yeah. To destroy each so, other. So they can win it. <laughs> it's a very odd relationship, heaven and hell yeah. having this. Um, I particularly liked the portrayal of the angels. Of Gabriel. How so? First of all... Are you just saying that because John Ham? Be very honest. John Ham. It's yes, Ham. I... I'm not going to lie. I love that man. I've always loved that man and I'll love him until the day I die. Unless he has a scandal, then I never knew of him. Who's John Ham? I don't know him. I love him. Why? Not in Gabe. Not I don't know if it was Gabriel. I love John Ham, but whenever he came on screen, I was oh hi. Um, Gabriel was very much paid as a villain. Well, not I a villain, villain, but a 
But okay. Everyone who wasn't, like... Yeah. Everyone who wasn't, like, either humans mm-hmm. or Crowley and Aziraphale were, like, villains Even Aunt Icarus wasn't a villain. Even God, essentially, if you want to really take it there. Mm-hmm. Like, is God not we're taking the it ultimate there. bad guy in this situation? We're taking it there. I can hear the petitions already. <laughs> There's already been one. So. He is... No, she is. She is in this instance. Oh my God, get it right. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, she is definitely... Although, she's, she narrates it. She's never really a character in it. They yeah. mention it, but she's more the narrator. Yeah, I, yeah, that's interesting. I think that's a really good way as well like to do with So she doesn't book. feel like a character in yeah, the story. Yeah, obviously with the book there's like footnotes and stuff. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way of getting around it because God mm-hmm. isn't directly mentioned many times in the book like yeah. from memory. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, it's also interesting the fact that like Crowley is the only one who directly addresses God. Mm, Crowley, yeah. Then so much was fall but saunter vaguely downwards. <laughs> I need a prequel. I need a prequel of that. <laughs> I need a prequel of Crowley's fall, David Tennant. Yeah. You're just like grimacing as she says that. Um. But no, I think like it's really interesting that he's the only one who we see like address God and like ask more questions and Azeravelli just kind of goes along with he's it. He's very much faithful. He's definitely, no, by the end of it he's definitely losing that faith. No, at the start he's very much the faith in the ineffable plan. and Until very much like the point where Crowley asks him to run away with him. And I think that's oh, when we boy. see that faith. Like, that's when his faith wavers a bit. Yeah, here's someone he who actually realises he's me. like, oh this mm-hmm. isn't great. Mm-hmm. The breakup thing. <laughs> that was a breakup scene. The one in the gazebo. Yeah. Um, that was a breakup scene. And then the one on the street where the guy <laughs> comes up to him and is like, you're better off with everyone. Yeah. I can't believe we saw two breakup scenes with Azir Phil and Crockley. And then that somebody to love scene. I'm still in shock. Yeah. Um, incredible. Feeling the fires of the ineffable Random, husbands. Apparently. Um, do you have any last thoughts as we wrap up this podcast? The ultimate thought of all it's Crowley. Crowley. Crowley's just yeah, he's a mood. He's a mood. That that swagger. That walk. I love the fact that was all David Tennant. That well who, who decided that. Be? You know, that is all he was like that when during the house. I have to believe that. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of that. My Take away from Good Omens. It's, first of all, it's great. Read the book. Well, I'm going to finish the book first. You haven't even Watch read the book. the TV show. It makes you think about things. Like what? In, it's kind of more lighthearted, but it is. It makes you think... What is the plan? What is the plan? What is the ineffable plan? Why don't you tell us all? Well, I mean, it's ineffable. Oh, That's well, the yeah. whole point. Can't exactly tell someone an ineffable plan. The wine's burning off. I'm feeling very woozy. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's this whole point of like it got points on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. It addresses lots of subjects. Yeah, I think like the whole point of it is like you don't have to be one or the other. Yeah, there's not any good or bad. You. you can be an in between. I mean, every well, that's the whole point of. Um, Adam. Yeah. Is he has one? He's been drawn one way by the forces of good, and drawn the other way by the forces of evil. At the end of the day, he's just human, mm-hmm. and he's that's what wins out. And Aren't we all we have all? that grey in us. You know, we're not all completely good, and we're not all completely bad. Even all the the quote unquote good figures you find in history, you do a bit of research. There's some shitty aspects to them. I mean, but no all one that is kind of grey. Good. No, no Philly. one's ever completely good, Philly. And no one's ever, well, controversial. No one's ever really yeah. bad. Yeah, everyone's that grey area. Well, what were we saying? Everyone's Fifty Shades of Grey, okay? That's what oh I'm trying God, to say. No. <laughs> Holy, how dare you? We do not endorse Fifty Shades of Grey here on Female Hysteria Podcast. Just want to make that clear. It was a joke. 
Thanks for that. You're welcome. I think like overall like I there's a Tumblr post that goes around every so often and I can't really remember what it is obviously but it sort of kind of conveys the point that I forgot my point. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the point it conveys but you get me. No I don't um, Tell the people. Dolphins. Dolphins. <laughs> but it kind of the whole point of good omens, mm-hmm. if there is one, is that it's like, there is no point, you know? It's to entertain. Yeah. And it does that. It's very funny. It's very witty. I like the way, well, I've read so far the way it's written. Mm-hmm. The book in particular. I think there's like a big point of like happiness as you are. Yes. Yes. And not being pulled either direction. Yeah. Not feeling like you have to fit into some mould. You yeah, know, I think like Adam doesn't fit into the mold of the a Antichrist. Massive part of good omens is breaking out of that mold and kind yeah. of like fitting yourself. Into Crowley the doesn't world fit into the demon. And as oh my goodness, doesn't fit into angels. Like there's no, they are not at the end of the day. Their side, like on their side, they are mm-hmm. truly their own side. And this, like, and that's beauty of humans. This is a whole different thing, but in the sense of like. Crowley does good things like he doesn't want to kill kids he doesn't kill anyone is like completely willing to kill kids and commits multiple of deadly sins if you want to get biblical up in here (laughs) but like it just it's sort of about defiant expectations a Mm. lot of the time Mm -hmm. and there isn't really like what line between good and bad is more than a light it's a very grey area. Yeah. That's something we can also talk about on a Star Wars podcast, but I'm not going to mention that here because I'm getting daggers from my co-host. <laughs> As a closing point, I just want to mention the M25 scene. Crowley waving to police officers from a burning car. That's this kind of chaotic, chaotic, sorry, chaotic energy <laughs> I'm aiming for in my yeah, life. Yeah, it's the like, less is fine meme, but like, it's come fine. to life. Yeah. It's the Umbrella Academy ice cream with clouds waving from it. Yeah. It's that. Same vibe, different apocalypse, as yeah. I think someone on Tumblr has said. We should do an episode on Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our... It's almost 4am, so we're probably going to go to sleep now. But we hope you've enjoyed our podcast. And let us know if there's any topics you want us to go into questions to address all yeah. the good stuff don't know what will be the next one oh because who knows I'm leaning towards Keanu Reeves ineffable. But it's ineffable <laughs> we'll see you next time